Hey lovely weirdos, this is Cynthia. Just letting you know that this will be our last full episode for the summer. We will be back in time for spooky season, but until then we are spending time with our families and doing some actual writing. See you all soon. Hi, I'm Cynthia Murphy. I'm Georgia Bowers. I had a mouthful of water, Cynthia. Sorry. <laughs> And this is Delete My Browser History. Welcome to the chaos. Today has yes. been a chaotic day of uh, recording. It really has. Yeah. It really has. Well, I'm going to round out July on one of my favourite topics. And it gives me great glee whenever I mention it. And somebody, you can see the look on the face, like, does not compute. What is that? I don't understand. And then I get to tell them what it is. So, my new book that is coming out in January that should hopefully have been announced this month. I'm hoping because we've had Yelk. So I'm hoping that it was announced. Oh, how weird. We're like in the future, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, in the future because it's only mid-June now. This will be out after Yelk. Yeah. So the, the new book that I've written is very, very inspired by this topic, which is creepy pasta. Yes. So... My editor didn't know what it was. She had to go and look it up. Um, I was on a book club the other night and I was talking about it and I mentioned creepypasta and all the teenagers' eyes lit up and all the adults went, creepypasta? Like strange, <laughs> strange Italian spaghetti. Um, no, it is not strange spaghetti. It's horrible. It's even worse. And I'm going to give you a warning now for some of the pictures that I'm going to put on Instagram. They're not graphic or anything, but they are scary. So um, thinking of like the Momo trend, do you remember that? Yeah, that was that, that was Momo face. And it, I, I used to scroll past it and be like, no, it's here again. And that's actually just a sculpture yeah. um, that someone had done. But it was a bit of a creepy pasta that, you know, it had a bit of myth and folklore. Was that when we were all in lockdown or was that before lockdown? It was before because I was teaching and the kids right. were about it and you had to like, yeah. you know, oh. Yeah, to field. It was after Killer Clowns, but yeah. before pandemic. <laughs> Always something fun. <laughs> so, creepy pasta are horror-related legends that have been shared on the internet. So, it can be anything. It can be ghosts. It can be murders. It can be zombies. It can be haunted TV shows, cryptids like Bigfoot, um, or it can be spooky games, which is what I looked into for my new book. So the etymology of creepypasta I found really interesting because it's a portmanteau, I didn't know what that meant, uh, which means a blend of words apparently, of creepy and copy-paste. I didn't know that part, I don't no, think. But it makes sense, doesn't it? Because yeah. these stories that have been repeated and copied and pasted, it really reminds me of chain letters of the 90s. Yeah. But if anyone remembers chain letters, but you would get this letter and you would have to copy it out and give it to five different people or you would get bad luck. Um, and then it you started to get them on emails when the internet became a thing. So it's just that kind of copy and paste, pass it on. It's like the modern version of a verbal folk tale. Mm. So in around 2007 on 4chan, the term was coined. So the, the it, it basically means something that's gone viral is a bit creepy. It has been copied and pasted. So the origins of creepypasta are quite unclear because most of them were written anonymously. So just a story that had been written and put on the internet and then it had been reposted and reposted. And then in the late 2000s to the 2010s, 
some dedicated websites started to appear. We've got creepypasta.com, which was created in 2008, and the Creepypasta Wiki and the Reddit No Sleep threads were both created in 2010. So I'm going to tell you some examples of Creepypasta. Can't wait. One story is called Jeff the Killer. It's about a boy called Jeff who's being bullied. So he is being bullied by these kids. He gets beaten up. He's in a horrible state. And he goes to a birthday party or some kind of party. And all of his bullies are there and they start laying into him and he kills them all. But he kind of fights them and he kills them all. But he gets beaten up so badly that he ends up in hospital. So when he wakes up in hospital, he realizes that he actually quite enjoyed killing them all and decides that that's what he wants to do. So he slices his own face into a permanent smile. He slices... This is Jeff doing this. Yeah, this is Jeff doing this to himself. His name's Jeff. I know, it's called Jeff. It sent him a bit mad. (laughs) He's decided he's going to be a serial killer. He slices his eyelids off so he never falls asleep. And then when he goes home, he kills his whole family. And as he's killing them, he whispers... Go to sleep. Oh. And then he goes around sneaking into people's houses, whispering, go to sleep to his victims and killing them. Oh. So that's, that's a that's a creepy pasta. So there'll be hundreds of different versions of that all over the internet. Um, and there are pictures that people have said that they've caught of Jeff the Killer. I'm gonna put one on Instagram. I have you have been warned. Um they're quite funny, like you know, they're really obviously my it's not really pain up. <laughs> Let's put some fake eyes on. But they are a bit, they're a bit, you know, they're a bit scary. So that's one of the stories. Then I'm going to talk about a little subgenre. So you've got creepy pasta, but like we said, it can be a ghost story or it can be a murder or it can be a zombie or whatever. There's one subgenre called Lost Episode Creepy Pasta. And it's stories about it's typically a kids' TV show that was never aired or was removed because it was so violent or grotesque. Or so it's a bit of an urban legend type thing. Some include stuff like Squidward's Suicide apparently is a lost episode of Spongebob and Dead Bart is a lost episode of The Simpsons. Um, But then I was reading up and apparently there was something in, there was an episode of Spongebob that ended up having to be taken off because it had referenced the creepy pasta. pasta. I was going to say they suicide, And they decided it was a million. So I don't know if that's true or if that's another creepy pasta. I don't know. Mm. So I'm going to tell you one of, not my favourite, but one of the more interesting creepypasta characters. And then it's going to dive into true crime a little bit because it actually inspired a quite horrible um, stabbing. So trigger warning. Uh, Slenderman is a tall, thin humanoid. He's got no facial features and he wears a black suit. He originated in 2009 from the Something Awful Photoshop competition. So there was a guy called Nudson. I've lost his first name. And he, you know what? No, I don't know if it is. <laughs> I've just written Nudson. It might be Jeff. Maybe that's where that comes from. <laughs> he photoshopped this figure 
into the background of a, a 1970s image of loads of kids. Again, it'll be on the Instagram. And they kind of set up these stories around them. So stories of Slender Man featuring stalking, abducting, traumatising children. He's got unnaturally long tentacle-like arms. If anyone's watched Stranger Things, he's a bit Vecna looking. And apparently if he was nearby, you would get something called Slender Sickness, which Ooh. would be a rapid onset of paranoia, nightmares and delusions and nosebleeds. So scholar and folklorist Andrew Peck attributed the success of Slenderman to campfire stories or urban legends. So it's one of those, he could be anywhere, mm-hmm. it can be retold by anybody, bit, you know, Bloody Mary style. It's yeah. here in every bathroom in every school across the world. And Nudson, the guy who created the image, has cited Stephen King's The Mist, mm-hmm. The Mothman, The Tall Man in the movie Phantasm, H.P. Lovecraft, and it's also been uh, compared to The Gentleman in Buffy. So he took inspiration from all Yeah, those. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, he's very, very gentleman-like. Yeah. Um, obviously, all this stuff is creepypasta and none of it is real and, you know, it's stories that kids tell each other. However, on May 31st in 2014, two young girls, Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser, they lured their friend Peyton into the forest and they stabbed her 19 times they did it because they wanted to be proxies of the slender man so luckily she survived she was found um, and recovered after six days in hospital she had crawled to the road and been found after they'd left her but the girls they thought by doing this that they would be able to go and live with slender man somewhere so they had literally done this and then they'd gone off walking into the woods and they had a a bag of supplies with them and they were just completely like entrenched in it the girls were found not guilty by mental disease or defect and they were both committed to mental health institutions now they were tried as adults because in the state that they were in they had committed an adult crime yeah that they were tried as adults one girl got 25 years to life another got 40 years to life One of them was granted early release after seven years, but she will be under supervision until she's 37. So what happened was they went to a park together and they were playing hide and seek. And they told the girl that she should lie in the leaves and that's where she should hide. Um, When she was down, they pinned her down and they stabbed her 19 times. So two wounds were to her major organs. They used a five inch blade, so like a kitchen knife. And they told her they were sorry and were going to go for help. But instead, they walked nearly five miles and they were found near a motorway. Uh, They had the knife with them. It was in their bag. One girl was not remorseful at all. And the other girl said she did feel bad about it, but it was needed to appease Slenderman. So they believed that if they didn't do this, that Slenderman would come and kill their families. Or one girl had convinced the other girl that that is by the sounds of it. So the girl who was kind of the instigator was later diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm. Um, I watched a really good documentary about it and it interviews her parents and her dad is schizophrenic. And you can see how much the parents, like they've they've fought with it so much that, you know, maybe they should have recognised it in her and they could have stopped Mm. it from happening. It's really kind of heart-wrenching. After the incident, creepypasta.com was blocked throughout the whole school district and the guy who had created the Slenderman photograph, Nudson, made a statement to say that he was saddened, but 
Creepypasta is a literary website. It doesn't condone murder or satanic rituals because mm. it was started to be talked about in that sense as well. The Creepypasta community actually held a 24-hour live stream to raise money for the victim to show that they cared and that, you know, they didn't condone it. And I had to giggle a bit at this because this poor girl's been through this awful thing and she's like 12, 13 years old and she's out of school. And then the, you know, the local governor decides, oh, we'll do some fundraising because obviously in America, medical bills are massive. Yeah. So they held a one day bratwurst festival before she went back to school. And I just thought if I was 12 or 13 and I'd just been through this traumatic thing, the last thing I'd want to worry about before going back to school was the fact that everyone was going to associate me with a Bratwurst festival. Yeah, that's really weird. I know, but apparently it was a beautiful community thing. They raised $70,000 for her medical bills, which obviously would have been so helpful. And then the whole thing led to a debate on the internet and, you know, is the internet doing this to kids? But like books and games and TV before it, you know, yeah. people have said no, because people watch and read these things all the time and don't go and commit stabbings. Yep. There's an assistant professor at the University of Georgia who said it's no more dangerous than stories about zombies or vampires. You don't get people pretending to be a vampire because they've read Dracula or not, not murder people. Not much, mm-hmm. not much anyway. So why? Slenderman had told them that they had to kill someone to be worthy of living. Apparently there's this creepy castle, creepy mansion or Slender Mansion or something in the woods where all the creepy pasta characters live and they thought they were going to go and live there. They actually tried to kill her three times. So they were going to do it the night before at a sleepover, but decided that, you know, they wouldn't be able to get rid of the body. Then they tried on the same day in a public bathroom because it had a drain, but she fought them off and they kind of apologised and carried on. And then they finally did it that afternoon. Oh, poor girl. I know. She spoke publicly for the first time at age 17. There's an ABC News documentary that you can watch on YouTube. And she talks to them. It was in 2019. So she said she doesn't remember most of it, which has been like a big relief to her. Mm-hmm. She remembers them telling her to lie down, cover herself in sticks, play hide and seek. And then she said when she realised what had happened, she's quoted as saying, I got up, grabbed a couple of trees for support, I think, and then just walked until I hit a patch of grass where I could lay down. A bicyclist found her, called 911. She said she remembers that, but her focus was in and out. She remembers seeing her mum at the hospital as the nurses were counting all of her stab wounds. Um, one of them almost penetrated a heart and one missed a major artery by less than a millimetre and if either of those had gone through she would have been dead yeah afterwards she said she slept with her mum because she was so scared she still finds it difficult to have friends and trust people (sighs) she agrees that they should have been tried as adults she said stealing a candy bar is a kid's crime Mm. this is not a kid's crime they should have been you know tried as adults But then she said, if I had to speak to them, she said, actually, I'd probably say thanks because I want to be a doctor now. And that's what I want to do with my life. And I might not have wanted to do that if this didn't happen. So she put everything behind her and live her life normally. She doesn't want to see them. She doesn't necessarily forgive them. She worries about the fact that they will get out. But yeah, so a bit sad, but nice that it's good that she survived and she's kind of spoken about it. I mean, I'll put it on the Instagram. One of the girls was really, really into it. And um, like she had a notebook full of sketches of Slenderman and 
she would like she chopped her Barbies up and drew Slenderman symbols on them. And so she was properly in it. And then when she was diagnosed as schizophrenic, you can only imagine the kind of things that she was thinking and what she believed to be real. You know, that kind of concept of reality would have been completely skewed. So she was so far into it. I mean, presumably you can then... A friend to go along with it. And I think someone else half scared that if she didn't go along with it that she would do it to her yeah um so the documentary that i watched is called beware the slender man it's a hbo one but it's on sky crime so you can watch it on sky and it's got real footage of the girls being interviewed in custody after it happened oh wow yeah and it's got interviews with their parents as well so that was really interesting There's one called The Wicked, which is a 2020 special, which is the one with Peyton, the girl who survived. And that's on YouTube. So I'll link that in the show notes. And then it's inspired a few different episodes of things like Law and Order, Criminal Minds, a film called Terror in the Woods, another one called Mercy Black. And then there's the Slenderman film, which was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. That was 2018. I remember it being pretty terrible. (laughs) I was disappointed. (laughs) So there you go. That's creepy pasta and a added bit of true crime. Yeah. So people know what creepy pasta is now. They should know. Yeah. I love a portmanteau word. Portmanteau. I know. Yeah. Sounds so posh. So do you know? I feel absolutely like drained from hearing all of that now. <laughs> um, it's a lot, isn't it? So I'm going to talk to you a bit about poppets. Then I'm going to tell you how to make one because you never know when you might need a poppet. So in Mark of the Wicked, you might, this was a new scene, so you might, I think it was added after, they find a poppet in Oliver's car. And a poppet, so this is from Wikipedia, in folk magic and witchcraft, a poppet, also known as a moppet or a pippy, is a doll which is made oh. to represent a person. So a it's like a casting doll. Yeah, so it's made for casting spells on a person to help that person through magic. You can occasionally find them in chimneys, that classic place where you find things <laughs> that do with magic and stuff, always hidden in the chimney. So they can be made from materials such as carved root, grain or corn shafts. You can make it out of a fruit, um, paper, wax, a potato, anything really, clay, branches, or a cloth stuffed with herbs and stuff, um, with the intent that any actions performed upon the effigy will be transferred to the subject based on sympathetic magic. So, I mean, if you start looking up at all the different types of magic there are, I mean, it's just it, it, it's just a minefield, it really is. So the actual word poppet is an older spelling of the word puppet. So that's where it comes from, from Middle English, puppet. And just as I mentioned, sympathetic magic, it's also known as imitative, oh gosh, can't speak today, (laughs) imitative magic. It's a type of magic based on imitation, obviously. So making something, yeah. So it involves using something like a puppet to affect the environment of people or occasionally yourself. Uh, You can use like a lock of hair or something to link the person and the poppet. It's called a tag lock if you use something like that. Okay. Um, whatever happens to the doll will happen to the person. It's a voodoo doll, isn't it? Yeah, I think voodoo dolls are kind of within the world of poppets, like 
voodoo dolls are a specific kind of like poppet within that if that makes sense i think yeah like a certain belief kind yeah of. so the use of poppets has been recorded throughout history they've been used for ages and ages and ages archaeologists found a tablet in ancient mesopotamia that recorded a healing spell that required to make a clay poppet ancient egyptians believed that all statues and images contained part of the spirit and Apparently, Princess Caroline of Brunswick, on the other hand, she put pins into a wax totem of her husband, <laughs> trying to hasten his death, but it didn't oh, work, apparently. Yeah. So, but you can use them, you can use them to protect people as well. It's not just for hurting people, because you think when you think of puppets and and uh, voodoo dolls and stuff like that, you do immediately your head goes to like stabbing it with pins or burning it or yeah or what have you but you can use it as a protection thing to try and like aid someone's healing or something like that you can buy you can buy poppets on etsy they doesn't surprise me <laughs> but i don't know if they i don't know how they work because i talked to you about how you're supposed to make one but the magic part of the magic of a poppet it goes into the making of it and it's all about the intent of the person who's making it and your energy um going into the into the poppet so i don't know whether just like ordering one online would actually work but who am i to say i don't want people on etsy using <laughs> me for saying that puppets yeah but, so maybe you send them something and tell them the intention maybe and yeah you could send them something personal maybe i mean i i must admit i didn't look into the like how to go ahead how to go about ordering your poppet so it's probably unfair of me i'm going to investigate it a bit a bit further okay there was a lovely exhibition in 2017 at the museum of witchcraft and magic which i meant mentioned in one of my other little things i really think we need to go there and it was called poppets pins and power the craft of cursing. So whether you believe in the power of magic or not, um, visitors had experienced mixed emotions when they considered that these dolls had been mutilated or burned or stabbed purely with the intention of cursing someone. So they had all, they've got all these, I've seen pictures of it, they've got all these puppets on display in sort of various sort of states of uh, like dirty or burned or, you know, so you wonder what people have been doing to them. But actually, it's quite unusual to find a poppet because often they get destroyed in the end when you've, depending on what you're using it for, because if you, you know, because they'd be burned or or what have you. And um, actually, when you finished using it, there's a way to get rid of one. So which I will mention later, just in case you, you know, you need to know. So people who use these puppets, they weren't all witches necessarily. Some of them lived quite conventional lives but were just happy to try and place a curse on somebody that they didn't like or somebody who wronged them for whatever reason and like I said sometimes they were used to to heal and protect but it's all about yeah the intention of when you're making it and what you want to use it for and this there was a there's a really interesting little thing on YouTube with this Dr Louise Fenton who she's written a book called The Cabinet of Curses she helped with the exhibition at, at that museum with all the poppets. And she talks about this particular poppet, which she calls the Bavarian doll. And the name, the talk is called Lethal in Lace because this particular doll, she's also known as the doll in the black lace dress or the doll with the dagger through her face. And I'll, I'll send you a link so you can Ooh. see the picture. And there's just, it's just this wonderful, like, doll and she's wearing you can see she's got black lace on and then she's got like this dag dagger just through her face this tiny little dagger mm. and yeah it's really interesting picture 
So she talks about the story of this particular poppet because she was able to kind of get a little bit of the history of all these little poppets and where they came from. And this one was quite interesting because Cecil Williamson, who was actually the founder of that museum, he did, I think he did an interview in a popular magazine or newspaper at the time. This was in the 50s. And he was shown making a poppet, I think, or just talking about the occult and witchcraft and stuff like that. And he obviously caught the attention of these, I think it's sisters or a couple who were living in Bavaria. So this particular woman from Bavaria wrote to him because she was unfortunately living with the evil wife of a Nazi. And I think she'd been moved into the same house as her and her sister. And she was just awful and really difficult to live with. And they kind of suspected that she was just, you know, doing evil. I mean, as you would. And he advised them to make a poppet. Um, to try and kind of counteract all the evil she was doing because they reckoned that they were tripping over and they, you know, falling down the stairs and slipping over in the kitchen and things like that. And they thought it was all her doing. So I think they sort of suspected that she was using witchcraft or something. She was, right. you know, something about her. So he suggested that he that they make a poppet. And to do that, they, they took some of her material from her clothes and they put this poppet together. And he suggested also that they get a bit of her hair, which they managed to do but they'd have to get the poppet over to him to finish off the magic. And they smuggled it across Switzerland because they had, he wanted them to send a little, a weapon that was like personal to them. So they sent a little stiletto dagger um, and they managed to conceal it. And yeah. And, and imagine going through customs and you're like, uh, but I'm how, thinking, how do you have a weapon that's personal to you? Don't we all? I know. And definitely not a spare one. No, no, that's true. Not a spare one. <laughs> Yeah, so that's really interesting. That's worth having a wa- having a watch. I don't know how it turned out for this woman, but I just thought the how how they made the poppet and and how it all came to to be. But they do have that pop. They did have that poppet in the exhibition, so it stayed in one piece, I guess. But I don't know about the woman with the dagger in her face. You can find out how to make a poppet in lots of different places, but they all stress how important it is that you make it yourself and that you take time over it. The more time that you take over it, the stronger the magic will be, basically. So also, if you can, you have to kind of really think about the materials that you use to make a poppet. So you can't just like get two lollipop sticks and put them together and be like, there you go, that's going to work. You want to get some personal items of the person. So they recommend physical items connected to the person are useful. Things like nail clippings, obviously, hair, blood, spit, and of course, um, secretions so all easy things to get hold of really yeah like how do you um how do they get hold of hair I know well I think if you're living with someone you could probably get hold of hair quite easily yeah I say this I as like, as new, every time I brush my hair it just like sheds some yeah, and I wondered whether they like snuck into I could just imagine imagine the scene in the book or in the yeah. film they yeah. sneak into her room trying to cut her hair before she wakes up yeah or like trying to cut her nails yeah but otherwise if you're not I mean and if it's someone who you yeah if it's not someone you're not living with then that would be quite hard yeah especially I mean all of it the blood and the spit and the secretions that actually yeah hair would probably be the yeah the easiest just wait for them to go to the hairdresser you could make a fortune as a hairdresser couldn't you selling hair so uh, puppets should be made (laughs) puppets should be made from natural materials and if you're trying to kind of banish a negative person out of your life, then if you leave a, a puppet to rot, 
then it will kind they'll kind of slowly disappear from your life so that's how that would work oh that's Um, yeah so sometimes it's like it seems like a really awful thing you're doing to the puppet like another way they suggest you could do it if you have somebody that you want to remove from like your circle of friends hanging the puppet like from a door handle or something it, it would kind of represent them kind of just drifting in the wind um, rather than them actually hanging oh. so it, it's about symbolism as well I suppose so and it, it says if you if you stuck a nail or something into a puppet the person isn't going to writhe around in agony but it might you know their physical health might be affected or their mental health might be affected it's not like you see in films it's not, not like suddenly they'll be like oh my arm what's happened oh do you remember um witches of eastwick where they're eating they have pop, they have pop in that but the bit where they're eating the cherries do you remember that bit not really i tried to re-watch it not that long ago and i just i don't know i couldn't get past yeah no i couldn't watch it so i can't remember what it is long time yeah actually a um a pop i think they make poppets in it but yeah the scene with the cherries where they're eating the cherries and that poor woman is like regurgitating cherries oh i don't know what anyway yeah just a little aside there so another thing you could do to your puppet is if you're trying to if it's to stop someone telling lies you could put something over their mouth wrap some cord or something around their mouth and that would stop them from telling you know lies about you and if you have to think about everything that you use to make the puppet even the color of the thread and stuff like that it it can all have an impact so just to all the the other thing that you should do, which I didn't I didn't know about this, is that you're supposed to breathe life into the puppet once you've made it. Oh. So you breathe your breath into into the puppet to kind of give it your energy and make sure that it's going to work. So just just in a few easy steps, this is how you should make a puppet. So so you create a figure to represent the target and remembering to just, you know, spend as much time with the thing you're making as you possibly can, gather the items to stick into it. So everything should be symbolic of the end goal that you're trying to achieve. For example, if you want something negative to happen to the person, like stuffing it with sawdust would kind of, that's kind of a, apparently sawdust is a very negative material. Uh, But if you were sort of trying to improve someone's like physical state you know their health moss is a really good thing to stuff a poppet with apparently oh, that's interesting it, yeah so yes you stuff the poppet apparently there's no right or wrong way of doing this just as long as you take plenty of time to 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 do it and do it carefully and also you can kind of talk about your intention while you're stuffing the poppet that can help as well so stitch it up and again state your intention of of what you want to use it for and then this is where you can breathe life into the poppet so you can either use a piece of straw to breathe life into it or you can just put you you can just do like mouth to mouth basically (laughs) just breathe directly into the poppet then you can just use yeah just use your poppet however you planned um state your intention again direct your will so that it works um in the way that you want it to you might want to have the little you know depending on on what sort of witchcraft and things you believe that you you might want to say that you don't want anyone to actually come to any harm even though you want your your will doing but you don't want anybody to be hurt and then when you're satisfied that it's finished and your spell has come to pass you need to dispose of it very carefully so you can you can bury it or you can just throw it away but better make sure that nobody else gets hold of it 
because I was going to say because if you threw it away and then somebody did something to it would that exactly exactly so yeah I mean you don't want it to fall into the wrong hands really and also if you've used it for healing someone you should take it apart properly and continue to treat the thing with respect but I think that's why it's better to use the natural materials because then you can you'd be okay burying something or yeah I don't, I don't yeah yeah so yeah so that's that's how you make a poppet and that was actually taken from a book this was from a book written by I'll send you the details this is from the witch's book of spellcraft by Jason Mankey with Matt Cavalli Amanda Lynn and Ari Mankey. I just thought it was really interesting. It just seemed very, you know, a practical way of helping someone. Yeah, or it's quite nice. Not helping them. Yeah. Yeah, because it's called a poppet. <laughs> it just sounds maybe friendlier than it can be. But I've, I've seen lots of pictures of them. The one that I saw when I was doing my research initially and that I kind of featured in the book, it was made from rope and that it looked pretty sinister because it was all like it was had it all like jagged limbs and stuff yeah I think, and, I think yeah. those little straw dolls yeah like, yeah they're a bit scary yeah. so they come in all shapes and sizes so there you go that's puppets well thank you I feel like that could be either really nice or really nightmare inducing yeah well in the book Matilda finds a load of puppets hanging from a tree yeah all covered in her hair so not good no definitely not good right okay guys okay. stay away from puppets. <laughs> and creepy pasta and creepy pasta and we'll see you next time see you later bye, bye. browser history deleted